Here at Connect, we tend to um, follow series. We'll go through like a series uh, for five, six weeks at a time. And right now we're in a series called Masterpiece. But actually, we're going we're gonna to take a pause this week. We're actually going to pause that series. We've got a little one-off event, uh, especially for this morning. So uh, uh, you've come on a good week. You're going to get to hear a special event that we're talking about today. But um, before I kind of explain what that's going to be, have you ever been on a, um, a long day's hike um, or, let's be honest, have you ever walked around the mall and done a lot of shopping in a day, okay? And as the day started out, you know, you, you could feel like a bit of a blister on the back of your foot and you're like, ah, it's, just, it's not too bad. It's just a, just a small matter. But then by the end of the day, you get home and you look and you're like, man... Small matters. That really hurts. Um, that has really left a mark. Um, how about this? Maybe you're cooking um, and you couldn't remember the exact amount of salt that this particular recipe needed. And you're like, you know what? It's salt. It's small. It's a small matter. Um, Casey reminded me of a time we actually had some uh, friends over for dinner one night and we made an apple crisp. <laughs> we made, let's be honest. I, I wouldn't know what to do. Casey made a one wonderful apple crisp, but she does an amazing apple crisp, does it from memory. Um, but on this particular occasion, she just, she was busy, and she's like, is it a teaspoon or a tablespoon of salt? And uh, she went with tablespoon, and uh, our guests very kindly were like, hmm, <laughs> this is a, a unique twist on this particular apple dessert. Uh, it turns out that small did, in fact, matter. The wrong amount of salt can make a very big difference in a recipe. How about mosquitoes? When we're thinking about small matters, one would think that those tiny little insects, they, what a tiny small matter that is. Surely nothing consequential about a mosquito. Well, I went on a, uh, a camp, this was many years ago, with an organization called Young Life, and it was up in Minnesota. I'd never been to Minnesota before, and I remember the first night being outside by this lake, and uh, you could hear the mosquitoes buzzing, and I remember someone telling me, hey, they're pretty bad right here, you should put some spray on. I'm like, I'll be fine. It's like mosquitoes, they're just a small matter. Well, I discovered the next morning that small matters. It really does. I mean, I woke up, I had like spots all over me from these bug bites. I'm like, this, I think the mosquito is actually the state bird of Minnesota. It is that. There are so many of them. I mean, they were everywhere and I had bites everywhere. You know, here at Connect, when it comes to kids, when it comes to children, we don't think of them as just a small matter. We here at Connect Church happen to think that small matters. We think kids are really important. So much so that we actually put a lot of resources into children, both here locally on a Sunday morning and as you're going to find out later on this morning, globally. Because we really think that small matters. And we actually take our cue not just from what we think is a good idea, but from Jesus himself. We feel that when it came to children, Jesus actually taught us that children are very close to the heart of Father God. That children, no matter where you find them on this planet, are very, very important. Jesus talks about this. One of the, the four writers who tells us the story of Jesus' life, a guy by the name of Matthew, he tells us of a situation one day where Jesus had a crowd around him and the disciples, as they often would, had a, a list of questions they wanted to know the answers to. And, and, and one of the questions, Jesus introduced a child into the answer of that question. 
You can read about it in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 6. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus called a little child to him and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then he kind of flips it and says, um, this is how important, this is how valuable Father God finds children to be. In verse 6, he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. So I think as we read that and we picture Jesus telling this story and, and maybe having this child next to him, maybe even sat on his lap and, and using this teachable moment to talk about the value of children. In today's day and age, we probably look on and think, well, that was a pretty wise move. What a great leader Jesus was to, to value children there in front of the crowd because who wouldn't buy into that? Who wouldn't want to follow a leader that places a high value on children? I mean, after all, in today's day and age, this is a big um, topic for politicians. You know, if you listen to, to politicians running for office or politicians currently in office, you'll hear phrases uh, that they bring forward like, it's for the children. Children are our future. No child left behind. Our children are counting on us. And it's like a politician who can say, hey, listen, I'm passionate about children. If, if you'll vote for me, if you'll follow me, you'll be helping children have a better future. Well, one would think as we read what Jesus just said that maybe that's kind of what he was doing. He was trying to win the crowd over. But in actual fact, when you understand the culture in which Jesus found himself, the words Jesus was saying that we just read would have just astounded the crowd. It would have completely gone against the culture of that day and age. You see, in Jesus' time, in that particular culture, children had no value. Children were worthless. In fact, there's a Roman historian, his name was Seneca, and he writes about life and times in those days, and he says that children who were malformed or unhealthy, they typically were drowned. It was common knowledge that the Romans would kill children who were unwanted or were the wrong gender. Very often, children would just be abandoned, left on a pile of dirt or dung. Most would die, but occasionally some would be rescued. And, and by being rescued, that simply meant they were taken into a household to be turned into to slaves or servants. But it was so common that this happened that you can read in, in Greek and Roman history that there were many people whose names was a variation of a Greek word, kopros, which, which literally means dung. That's where that child was discovered. But you see, in this culture, when Jesus shared this, it would have been countercultural to the society in which he found himself. But he believed this and he taught this. 
And his followers in the first church, they took on this, this belief and they modeled it too. So the very first believers, they, they, they cared for children in a way that children had never been cared for before. It was those very first followers of Jesus that introduced the idea of, of a child having a godparent. Someone who would take on the role and the responsibility of raising that child and looking after that child was something to happen to the parents of that child. It was the followers of Jesus who created the very first orphanages, homes where little children without parents could be raised and looked after. In fact, the early church, they forbade the practice of the abandoning of children that the Romans often were doing. They said, this isn't acceptable. In God's eyes, this is, this is unacceptable. One ancient writer says that the reason that they would save these children is because they believe that all babies are glorious before God. You see, the early church, it changed the idea, the society, it changed the view of children. That early church believed that small matters. And thousands of years later, here at Connect, we still believe that. We unashamedly put a lot of energy and resources and time and, and volunteers into working alongside children because we believe that small matters. Did you know the statistics tell us that 85% of those who make a decision to follow Jesus will do so between the ages of 4 and 14? 85%. I bet if we went around this morning with a, with a microphone and started doing some interviews, that there would be many of us here this morning that would tell a story of how maybe we grew up in church. And there was a, a Sunday school teacher or a, a volunteer who told us about Jesus, who told, taught us the Bible. Maybe there are some here who found their way back to church later in life, found their way back to God. You're experiencing a brand new relationship with Jesus. But the reality is, even though this is very new to you and even though this is new to, to your life, if you're honest, you may remember a grandparent or a parent or something happening when you were a child where you discovered Jesus. So we, we spend a lot of time with Connect Kids, with Connect Youth, in pouring into this generation, knowing that there's a chance that 85% of those who make a decision to follow Jesus will do so in that age bracket. So we believe that God has challenged us here as a church to make children a priority, both locally and globally. Because we've come to understand that whether children are born uh, in, in America or in South America, in prosperity, or in poverty, that children face struggles, some of which adults don't face. Children are vulnerable in a way that we aren't vulnerable. And whether in prosperity or poverty, there are equally as many challenges that kids face. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Small Matters. It's written by a friend of mine, and um, he heads up an organization called Stadia that, that kind of focuses on church planting. They helped us when we planted Connect Church. We are a part of the Stadia Church Planting Network. Well, he, alongside the, the new director of an organization called Compassion that works with children in poverty, the pair of them, they wrote this book together called Small Matters. And I love this paragraph he writes about how children face problems no matter where they find themselves in this world. And this is what fuels us at Connect to want to reach children locally and globally. 
Listen to what he says. He says, we've seen children eat dirt to fill their rumbling stomachs. And we've seen children struggling with obesity from too many trips to the nearest fast food chain restaurant. We've paddled a canoe through sewage polluted waters to reach the home of a child in Ecuador. And we've driven our SUVs to cavernous mansions to visit children lost in a sea of suburban materialism in the U.S. Living in homes filled with lots of stuff, but very little love. We've walked into rooms where two adults and five children share a single bed, crowded in a small space. And we've been in rooms where a single bed holds a child searching for purpose. You see, we're going to talk a lot this morning about children in poverty. We're going to talk about how you here can make a difference. But although we love the fact that Connect has this passion to reach children globally and locally, how we recognize that children living in poverty need our help, we also recognize, you know what, there are kids in our own neighborhoods that need help. This is why I love what Alicia and the team doing Connect Kids to help with those kids. Because if you're a parent here this morning, you'll know, man, sometimes it can be a struggle, can't it? It can be a struggle just with our very own kids. I came across this uh, video clip on YouTube this week and uh, illustrates it perfectly. Check this out if you're a parent here in the room today. Daddy and I are making some changes so that we can be happier and healthier and we're starting with this meal that I prepared. I think it looks great. Doesn't it look good? What is that, grilled cheeses? No, baked, baked tofu. Oh. It's actually really tasty. And the lettuce is so fresh and tasty that you forget how good lettuce tastes on its own without dressing. No, dressing always gets in the way of the natural taste of the lettuce. Mm. And another thing we've decided is to cut back on all of the electronics we use. Basically, what we're going to do is get rid of the Wi-Fi and only use the computer what? from 8 to 8.30 at night. How are we going to go on the computer? We're going to have a hard line in the kitchen. Yeah, we'll supervise that. You can't do this. You can't take away the Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. <laughs> you don't spend enough time with the family when you're constantly on your iPhone and your computer and... You know, you should, you're only here for five more years. So you won't see me after five years? No, but you won't be living with us. And you should get to know your little sister. You've got the perfect friend right here. I don't want to be friends with her now. I'll be friends with her when she's 20 and a normal person. I don't want to hang out with her when I'm in my 20s. You're on the computer too much as it is. You need to get outside more. Do some playing outside. Yeah, you can build things. out. You can build a, a fort outside. What? Yeah, build a fort. Play with your friends and have... Make a fort outside? And do what? Have little... Do what in the fort? When I was a kid, we used to build tree houses and play with sticks. Nobody plays with sticks. You and Charlotte can have a lemonade stand. Play kick the can. Look for dead bodies. It's fun. That's fun to do. Get a tire and then just take a stick and run down a street. It's 2012. You don't need technology. No technology. Charlotte, put that down. I don't need to be monitored all the time. This isn't turning out the way I wanted it to. I'm not hungry. No computer. Listen to your mom. I need to use it for my homework. She's out playing us. I know. She's tough. 
Now, I'm sure none of you parents have ever had a conversation like that with your kids. But it's hard, isn't it? Even in our prosperous um, world in which we live, there are, there are challenges that kids face. The difficult thing sometimes for parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts is to, is to try and gently explain to these kids that no Wi-Fi or slow Wi-Fi isn't the catastrophic problem that you think it is right now. There are greater issues than this in the world. Not having the most new pair of basketball shoes isn't the huge deal that, that right now you seem to be making it out to be. In our family, we, we find ourselves, Case and I, like those parents saying things at times where we hear ourselves saying, you should play with some sticks, and realizing this just does, isn't going well. This isn't sounding right. But, but we'll try and talk to our kids about you know, the fact that um, they, they have a lot to be thankful for, that there are kids their age who live in very different circumstances around this world. The reality is that there are many kids who battle poverty, malnutrition, disease. And the reality is that in areas of the world where poverty exists, the most vulnerable are the children, the ones who are affected often the most of the children. The sad truth is that every day 21,000 children die as a result of poverty or poverty-related diseases. Children who had no control over the fact of being born in Illinois or Ecuador. So we want to help those kids, as well as the kids here in Washington, Illinois, because we believe that small matters to God. The former director of Compassion International, a man by the name of Wes Stafford, his, this is a quote from him. He says, Satan's strategy is to go after the weakest and most vulnerable people on the planet, our children. So we as a church want to stand in the gap on behalf of those children and help to make a difference. You know, the definition of extreme poverty is somebody who's living on less than $1.25 a day. And right now, there are 400 million children around the world who are living in extreme poverty. If you truly believe that, that small matters, then that's not okay. I want to be a part of, of, of making a difference there. I want to be part of changing that number. So this morning here at Connect on this Compassion Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can make a difference in that area. Now, I'll be honest with you, if, if you're like me, when you start to look at numbers like this, 400 million, 21,000, I kind of get this glazed over look of my eyes and think, well, what difference could I possibly make? It's such a big problem. Me, me trying to put it out is, is almost like having a, a cup of water and a, and a house fire. It's really just not making much difference. But the reality is, fortunately, that hasn't stopped people up till now. And we're discovering that actually, even though people's contributions may seem small, as more and more people step up to do something, a difference is being made. I came across a study this week in a book called Hope Rising, put together by an author by the name of Dr. Scott Todd. He studied this. He studied poverty and statistics around the globe, and in particular kind of followed some trends over the last 20 and 30 and 40 years. And in his book, he explains that a lot's changed in our lifetime. He explains that thanks to technology 
And thanks to education and thanks to schools teaching more about global awareness and what's going on in the world, the people are starting to step up and make a difference. And he says, you can actually start to track the difference that's being made. He points out that um, right now there are about 1.4 billion people living in extreme poverty. And while that number sounds huge, he goes, listen, this is good news. In 1981, that's our lifetime, in 1981, 52% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. He says, today that number is 21%. 21%. That number has been reduced by more than half, and it's happened in one generation. He goes on to explain, amongst other statistics, that there are 22 countries now that have cut their malaria rates in half in only six years. He tracks a period of time between 2005 and 2009. And he sees that globally, malaria infections have decreased by 19 million per year. And malaria deaths have dropped by 140,000 every year between 2005 and 2009. Why is that? It's because people have started to realize this is a problem. People in the Western world, people in developed countries have said, you know, we could make a difference. You may have heard of organizations and charities who have tried to raise money to send uh, mosquito nets to these impoverished countries, countries where mosquitoes and malaria are a big problem. We did this. We partnered with Compassion over Christmas time, and just out here in Connect Kids, they had this, this fundraiser where they were raising money to buy nets. Just in the month of December, those kids and their families raised $1,650 we were able to purchase 82 insecticides-treated malaria nets to send to children in underdeveloped countries and shelter them from disease, maybe even death. We were a part in those statistics. We were a part in helping to lower those numbers. So I've been encouraged this week as I've been reading and studying for this particular Sunday to know that we can make a difference. That we can no longer say, well, what difference can I make? What about my small, my small contributions hardly going to make a dent? But if all of us make those small contributions, if all of us say, you know, I think small matters. I want to help a child who's in need. If all of us step up to do that, it'll make a difference. So the reason we're doing this particular day today is because it, I can tell you why. It goes back to 2013. It was the month before Connect Church launched and Stadia, this organization we were a part of, they, they actually took a group, a small group of us pastors, and they invested in us, and they said, we're going to take you to, to Ecuador. We're going to show you the work of compassion, and we'll tell you why we're doing it. It's because we believe that when you go there and you see what's happening, you're going to want this to be a part of your church. So I got to travel down to, to South America, to this country of Ecuador. I'd never been there before. I got to meet beautiful families like this one who are living in just extreme poverty. That's the home of the family. You can see there right behind us. It's uh, just basically a, a, a small one-room building made of sticks and cardboard on the walls, newspapers, where the whole family lived together. But I saw such joy and hope because organizations like Compassion were reaching these families and, and helping them with food and education and health care and, and were saving some of these kids' lives. 
So I came back from that trip and I thought, man, I, I believe that maybe one of the reasons that God has called me to, to plant this church in Washington is because he wants to help some of the, the families here in Washington, Illinois, make a difference all the way down here in Ecuador. And we've seen that happen over the last few years. Through Compassion, we've been able to sponsor some children. We've been able to help raise some funds to, to start work and to build a church down there. And I have to be honest with you, this morning I was excited coming into today because I knew I was going to be sharing some, some new um, opportunities ahead where we can get more involved and, and I'm still going to share those, but the craziest thing happened. So last night I was kind of going through my notes and, and looking at my slides and just pulling everything together and I was just feeling really good about the message I was going to bring this morning. And I went to bed and I woke up this morning to, to multiple emails from contacts I have at Stadia and at Compassion to alerts on my phone with news headlines saying there has been a catastrophic earthquake in northern Ecuador. So I jump online, I start reading, I discover that the epicenter of this earthquake is so, so close to an area where we helped just in the last year build a brand new church and children's Compassion Center. An area where there are already many Connect families who have sponsored children through compassion that live in this area. As of between the two services, the death toll had already risen to 233 people. And some of the emails I got from my contacts, both in the US and in Ecuador, were saying, listen, we, we don't know yet the effect it's had on the region that you're connected to. Roads are blocked and, and the, the place your church is at is in a very remote area. It could be days before we finally get news of, of what's happening out there. It kind of shook me up knowing that I was going to come to speak this morning about this, and now this has happened. So I want to pause right now in the service, and I'd like to say a prayer. If you join me, we're going to pray for that area, for those people, and then I'll talk a little bit more about why this area is so close to my heart. God, we just pray for this country, Lord. I know we read these news reports far too often of tragedies that happen around the world, natural disasters like this, and it just breaks our heart. Lord, we ourselves here in Washington, Illinois, are a little bit more familiar with what it looks like to be a part of a, a natural disaster. But God, we know that we are blessed here with insurance companies and healthcare and police officers and hotels that we can stay in and friends and family who will come and help. And we just think now, Lord, of these people in Ecuador who are living in an underdeveloped country and living in poverty. And now for this to happen, God, I pray for everyone in that country. But this morning, I pray in particular for that area where we've invested in, in planting that church, in sponsoring those children. Would you be with that community this morning, Lord? As their new day begins, Lord, and they have to assess the damage, the destruction, even the death. Would you be with those people? Thank you, Lord, that there are already pastors and churches and compassion employees and compassion volunteers in those communities that already are hardwired to love and serve in the name of Jesus. And the same way that the churches were able to help with our tragedy here in 2013, I believe that the local churches and the compassion volunteers there too will help those people in the name of Jesus. But would you help them, Lord? Give them the resources they need. Give them the wisdom to know what they need to do. 
Give those people peace and comfort right now. Let them see you, Jesus, through the hands and feet of those who are going to be serving them in the next few weeks and months. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A child is waiting. A child is waiting. There are children around the world waiting. Children are waiting. I live here with my family, my mom and dad, and all my brothers. I am the only daughter. Our home is built over a very dirty river. And when the storms happen, our home floods with water and garbage. This is a scary place when it gets dark. People get drunk and fight all the time. I do not go outside at night because I don't know what would happen. Even though I live in this place, I have been sponsored for 14 years by Arlie and Nancy. I call them mom and dad. Although we are countries apart, I know they chose me. They tell me, Eunice, we remember you. We love you. You are like our own daughter. Because of my sponsors, I had the opportunity to go to the Compassion Program at the church in my neighborhood. For all these years, my sponsors and my church have helped me to receive better food and medicine. With the help of my sponsors, I will be able to work, to help my own family. When I was nine, my compassion teacher shared Jesus with us, and that's when I accepted Christ. Even though I am poor, He has provided my church. He gave me sponsors who love me. God will never leave us. I want to share everything I have learned with kids who are like me other children who need sponsors because they also experience poverty. I want them to feel the joy of having a sponsor, to get a letter that says, I love you, you are special to me. With the help of our sponsors, we can grow up and finish our studies and learn how to live our faith in Jesus. I want to serve the Lord and I won't stop serving Him because He does not stop loving me and taking care of me and my family. There are children around the world waiting. Waiting for a sponsor like you. Like you. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
a child is waiting for you. Casey and I, my wife, for the many years now, we've sponsored children through Compassion, and we really, really do believe in it. It's $38 a month, and it's not just kind of money you send, although that would be fine if it was going to be used, but what Compassion does is they actually partner you with a specific child. So we have one little boy, Luis, who's in Ecuador, and a little girl, Maria, in Bolivia. And we get letters from them, and they send us pictures, and we correspond back with them as well. And it's just wonderful knowing that our $38 goes to help educate and feed and provide health care and, and look after these kids, make a difference in their lives. And it's crazy because this morning I've got some um, child sponsorship packets and I'd like to ask if you've never considered doing this before to go back there and take a look at one of those packets. Maybe take a child's information this morning and say, I want to sponsor this child. Or take it home with you and, and think about it, pray about it as a family and, and say, is this something we want to do? But, but every one of those children is from this region that was hit by this earthquake. I don't know where they're at right now, what the fate is of them and their community. But I, I sent this email this morning, and when I got back before church started, it says, still share the need. They need prayer and support now more than ever. So that's one great way. You can, you can pick up a compassion packet this morning for $38 a month. You can provide the, the help that they need. But here's why we chose those packets in that particular area. When I got back from that trip to Ecuador, it was right before Connect launched in 2013. When I got back, I was just so inspired by what I saw because this organization, Compassion, were making such a difference. There was this wonderful partnership that was taking place because you see, what I discovered when I was down there is that Compassion have a policy that even though there are children all across the world living in poverty, children that they could meet and children whose lives they can change, they have this policy that they will only go to a community to help children where there is a local church that they can partner with. Because they have this holistic view of looking after these kids where we're going to help with the practical needs, but we want to partner with a church who can help those kids with their spiritual needs, can introduce them to Jesus, can help them find a relationship with a God who loves them so much. So what I discovered when I went down there was there was actually some areas where kids were living in poverty, where there were pastors who were ready to lead a church in that community, but all they lacked was a physical building in which to meet. And I discovered that the reason they lacked that is because it would cost $80,000 to build a church and children's community center for compassion in that area. And for them, $80,000 would take 5, 10, 15 years to raise. One of the guys from the stadium said, guys... We live in a very blessed country. $80,000, we could help with that. And I came back thinking, man, I want Connect Church to be a part of helping to raise $80,000 to build one of those churches. So we did that. And last year, um, early in 2016, we, we reached our first goal and we raised $20,000. And we partnered with two other churches and we sent it to this community down in Ecuador and back in February this year, I got an update and they sent me a picture. They said, things are going well. The church construction has begun. They sent me a picture of what the church looks like so far. There it is. Sometimes people ask me, hey, when are you guys going to build a building? Look, we've started already. There it is. It's in Ecuador, but it's going really well. 
The roof's there, the foundations are there, the windows are there, two of the classrooms are there. Now the tough thing for me this morning is I don't know if that picture still looks like that. Knowing how close this community is to the center of that earthquake, I have no idea what that looks like now. But as of February, they were well underway. Even though the building wasn't completed, they'd already started to meet with the kids. And every day these kids were coming in and they were, they were meeting in a public area and they were being taught about Jesus and taught about how much he loves them. And then there was food distribution and, and health care. Already compassion was making a difference in that community. And it was so exciting to see that happen and to know that we helped make that happen. You, through your gifts, helped to make that happen. So we decided that this morning all of the packets would be from this region. Some of those kids in those pictures will be packets back there. Because we want to invest into that community. We want to sponsor kids who are going to the church that we helped to build. So we were super excited about that, and, and we decided, you know, we met that goal. I'd like to build another church. There are still other pastors ready to reach communities in this area, and still more buildings need building. So I said, let's try and raise another $20,000. Let's partner with some other churches and, and raise the $80,000. I think Connect can do 20000 So we started that last year, and people have been giving here and there throughout the year, and, and our goal, our total right now is we're at $11,000. So there's a couple of things I want to do this morning. So the first thing is I want to take up an offering right now that's going to go just to that fund. So as you're thinking about that right now, as you're getting ready, the ushers will come forward in a minute. I realize this morning that one of the difficult things for me is that this fund, this plan we have may completely change in the next few weeks and months. My desire was to help start another church to reach more children in that country. Because I think small matters, and I think Connect cares about kids. But I realize now that with these funds we're raising, we may be, be having to pour some more funds and some more support into that first location. But whatever happens, I still want to try and raise that, that, that goal we'd set of $20,000. So I'm going to ask the ushers, if you come forward right now, we're going to take up this offering. If you feel led to give this morning, that'd be awesome. If you've got a um, cash or a check, you can just kind of write Ecuador Church Plan. If you've got the, uh, the app on your phone, there's actually an option on there that you can select. Instead of just regular giving, you can actually select um, Ecuador Church Plan. So, God, I just pray right now for those who give faithfully so often, Lord, and for this opportunity to give to this situation where, Lord, to be honest with you, we're giving something where we're not completely sure where this money's going, but we trust, God, that even now you're aware of where the greatest need is there. And that you'll give us wisdom to know with the funds we've raised so far and the funds we're going to continue to raise over the next few months, that we'll be able to send that to where the need is the most. Whether it's starting a new church in a new community or pouring into the current church that we've helped establish but has faced such crisis because of this earthquake. Wherever it is, Lord, I pray you'd bless those that give this morning and bless this money to be able to reach them and make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can go ahead and start passing those baskets. So coming up this Sunday, I've been thinking and praying a lot about opportunities that we have and opportunities that we have to give. And, you know, going forward, that, that option is always there on the app. You can always write in your check if at some point in the future you decide, I want to give a little bit extra and I want it to go towards the, the work that the church is doing there in Ecuador. That would be fantastic.
But I was feeling challenged myself. I was feeling that I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something personally that would make a difference, something that would help with this, this giant task of helping this church down there. So this was the idea I came up with, okay? It might sound crazy, but this is what I felt like I needed to do. So I have a buddy. His name's Nate, okay? Nate is a member of Connect, and there's Nate behind me. Nate is a very good cyclist, okay? And uh, he's really good. I mean, he goes fast, and he goes long distances, and every now and again, he patronizes me, and he slows down a little bit and lets me ride with him. And uh, I feel like I'm doing really good because I'm keeping up with him, but I know the reality is that he's probably pedaling about half the pace he normally does. So Nate and I will go out biking sometimes, and uh, I love it. I love the exercise. I love getting out and about. So we were talking a little bit about this. I said, Nate, I said, I've got this idea. I said, I think I'd like to do some kind of bike ride that I could do to, to raise some money for this compassion project we've got going in Ecuador. I think I could kind of get it out there on social media, and maybe some people would share it, and some friends of mine would say, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'll pay to see Dave on a bike. That would be funny. You know, people might get behind that and say, yeah, I, I want to help make that happen. So we got talking about it, what we could do, and what would be a good challenge, and, and this is what we came up with. We decided that in the summer, the two of us and maybe a few more people, we're going to do this bike ride from Washington to Chicago. We're going to, yeah, we're going to ride all the way to Chicago. Now, I'm, think, I'm hoping it's downhill. I haven't checked for sure, but uh, I know it's 155 miles. I know that. So I'm thinking, hey, maybe we could like, spend a week, two weeks doing this. You know? And Nate's like, no, I think, I think we could do this in two days. Like do half the journey on Friday, camp out for the night, and then do the second half on Saturday. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. So that's what we're doing in June, Nate and I, maybe a few other people, we're going to do this bike ride. We're going to try and raise some money. And our, our final destination will be this beautiful location, if you're familiar with it. It's the, uh, the planetarium right at the end of that little kind of pier there in Chicago with that beautiful skyline. You can expect to see a picture of me. I'll probably be on a stretcher, but you'll see the beautiful skyline in the background. So we haven't worked out all the details yet, but that'll be coming soon, and you'll find out ways that you can donate or share that. Uh, there's a lot of things we've got to figure out. I need to work out how long the rope needs to be that we're going to tie to the back of his bike and the front of my bike, and you know, just, just things like that. But I'm excited to do this because I really want to um, be a part of something that could help raise some extra funds. And I have a feeling that over these next few days and weeks, as we get more news from our church plant friends in Ecuador of what's been happening, that maybe the, even the, the idea, because originally it was to raise the funds to plant a new church, but maybe that'll change a little bit here as we see what the news tells us over the next few weeks. So there's a couple of ways you can get involved there. You could sponsor a child this morning. You could help when we do this to share, to give. You've given already some of you this morning in the offering. But there's one more final piece of exciting news I want to share this morning on this Compassion Sunday. So if you've been a part of Connect for the last three years, you'll have heard us on these days talking about this. This is our third Compassion Sunday. So you'll have heard us share about these needs in the past. And, and one of the things we've always talked about, about how cool it will be if, if not just supporting children, not just sending money, but the, would, one day we could actually organize a trip to this area. That we could take a trip to this area, meet some of these children that we sponsor, see this church, meet the pastor, shake hands and say, you know what? Some people from our church we're able to help make your church happen, make that connection and just see what God is doing over there. 
Well, up till this last week, that trip is in the works. February of 2017, we are planning on going to this community. That's just kind of an idea of what you're um, in for there. It's a coastal community in San Lorenzo where we've started this church. I say that because I don't know what will happen now since the, uh, since the earthquake. But for now, this trip is in the works. So if you're here this morning, this is something you've been excited about over the last few years. We've talked about this, and you'd like to know more about this trip. There's also a sign-up sheet on the back table there next to those uh, sponsorship packets. And by putting your name on the sheet doesn't mean you have to go, but we will let you know details if you're interested. So if you're interested in learning more about this trip in 2017, then put your name and email on that sign-up sheet and we'll keep you posted with what's happening. But this morning, I hope you've heard my heart. I hope, you've, I hope if you're a regular attender at Connect, you know that we believe small matters. If you're a parent here or if you're a volunteer in Connect Kids, you'll know that we, we really put a lot of time and energy into children because we just think that God loves them. We think it's such a crucial age. Let's be honest, if you're a parent here this morning or an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent, you know that that's the, the period of time when the clay is still very soft. There's a lot you can do in the heart of a child that sometimes you can't do in the heart of an adult. So as a church, we've invested very heavily into children, but not just locally, globally. So maybe this morning before you leave, you'd, you'd think about that, pray about that, stop by the table, maybe consider sponsoring a child, getting involved somehow, but getting behind us here at Connect as we um, pour into the lives of children. Let's pray. Father, as we close out this service, Lord, I just... I pray for all here, Lord, those who have children and those who don't, those who have children who have grown up and moved on and those who have got children who they still tuck into bed every night. Help us to realize, Lord, that you love children so much. They have such a soft spot in your heart. In fact, Jesus, you warned us that anyone that would harm a child, better a millstone be tied around their neck and then thrown into the depths of the ocean than face you because of how much you care for children. So Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just care for those in our community, but that if we have the means, that we would step up and say, I want to care for a child who through no fault of his or hers, just by the fact that they were born in another country, is battling poverty. And Lord, I believe I can help make a difference in that child's life. So if we can, Lord, I pray there'll be some this morning that would sponsor children. There will be some who say, I want to go and meet some of these children face to face. There'll be some who say, I want to help in this endeavor to get this church built. Or if it turns out, this, this other church that was already half built, rebuilt. But guide us, I pray, in our decisions we make now in Jesus' name. Amen.